Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I want to wish everybody a happy Mother's Day. I'm Gina Caminetti. I'm Pastor Joe's wife, and I get to continue in the series Reconstructing. Today, we're going to be talking about reconstructing relationships, but I want to give a big shout out to the moms. You work so hard, and you love your children, and you do it all of their lives. We appreciate you so much. I also want to honor some very important people in the room today. Some people are, this is not such an easy day for you. You have lost a mother and perhaps are in some real grief and sadness right now. Maybe some others, you have lost a child and this is a very difficult day for you. Or maybe you have wanted to become a mother and you have not yet become. And so we want to honor you. We want you to know we're cheering you on from the sidelines. We are praying that you will find the peace and the grace of God to take you through this day and many, many, many in the future. So as we are continuing in this series, uh, I wanted to acknowledge that I am very passionate about relationship building. That does not mean that I am very skillful in it, but I have come a long way. And so I'd like to rewind about 38 years to uh, my marriage to my, your illustrious pastor and my husband, and our relationship building styles. Um, my style was pretty much a Chicago Italian style, which was like finger up in the air and like, oh no, you do not say that to me. I would talk, 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 and would not stop talking till I had closure. And if that meant that we were on our way to a church event and we hadn't finished on getting, uh, by the time it was time to get out of the car, I wouldn't get out of the car. And my husband said, you know, a tornado could be coming down the street right at us and you would have to finish an argument before running for cover. And I said, well, yeah, of course. He, on the other hand, liked to simmer and stew until he was in the mood to talk about something. And usually he was in the mood when that pressure cooker uh, lid came off. And so on one such occasion, I had already dozed off for the night and I woke up to the very rude uh, sound of an alarm clock and the sight of my husband's face with the clock a few inches from mine, like, nah, 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 and the evil grin that was on his face. So uh, we, we have come a long way in 38 years, and so thank God for that. But some of you in this room might think, oh, no, they're going to talk about relationships. Please spare me that drama. That is not my thing. And then uh, others, you may feel very passionate about relationships, but you're not exactly sure how you navigate and avoid the landmines. And others, you might have started out optimistic, but you have been burned and hurt so badly that you are just over it. But no matter what, no matter what we're doing in life, we have to deal with relationships, whether it's on the job or in the family or with our children. And I want to give a big shout out to moms because a lot of times moms are leading the way, trying to make sure everybody is getting along and relationships are growing. Now, 
Before we really get into some of the meat of this uh, message, I want to talk about some misconceptions that there can be. Some people may feel like that Christians are not very enjoyable to be in relationship with because they're all about rules and regulations, and they're always telling people what they should do different. And so some people have a sour taste in their mouth that way. Others may go to the opposite extreme and think, well, if you're a Christian, that means you love everybody all the time, and that must certainly mean that you get walked all over like a doormat, and then all of us with our opinions somewhere in the middle of that range. But I do want to talk for just a moment about the subject of boundaries. We're not going to teach on boundaries, but I want to talk about it for a minute because without responsible thought being put into boundaries, we can have one extreme or the other. Now, um, the best illustration I know that would help us just get a quick picture of the beauty of boundaries comes from our local zoo. Now, I'm one of those people who loves the zoo. I even have a membership there. And I do drag my husband once in a while to come with me. But what I love about the zoo, it is a masterful illustration of well-thought-out boundaries. Now, my favorite animal at the zoo is the gorilla. In the Cleveland Zoo, you have to walk up to a really high place, and it is worth getting there because you can stand just a few feet away from a gorilla and look right in his eyes. And I love that. And why can you do that with a perfect feeling of safety and enjoyment? It's because of the amazing boundary that they have put between you and said gorilla. Now, on the other hand, at the Cleveland Zoo, they have a ginormous giraffe or two or three, and you can get in proximity with them and even get close enough to feed them because the boundary is kind of this balcony and even a little child can go up and as long as you have the boundary of a person there and uh, the, the balcony, you can even feed the giraffe. And I'm so glad they, do, they don't overdo it or underdo it at the zoo because they have well thought out boundaries. And it would be both irresponsible and unloving in our Christian lives if we don't take time to think about the appropriate boundaries. Now, how do we set some boundaries? Well, the gentleman, one of the authors of the Boundaries series of books, is his name is Henry Cloud. The other is John Townsend. I highly recommend those books. But Henry Cloud says it this way, that we human beings can act three different types of ways. We can behave wise, we can be wise, we can be foolish, or we can be evil. And when we're wise, words are the right boundaries and effective boundaries. We can have conversations, we can reason things out, and we can come to great conclusions, and those are great boundary-setting tools. Or we can be foolish, and when we are foolish, consequences in order. So many of the moms and dads can relate that when you're raising your children, sometimes you've got to have some consequences to help drive that foolishness into a place of wisdom. But when we're acting evil, Dr. Cloud says, we need guns and lawyers. What does that mean? We need the guys with the badge and we need the courtrooms because sometimes we just got to take that level of accountability way, way high. And so that is 
kind of in the nutshell, what I'll say about boundaries is that we use our words, we use consequences, and we use accountability to actually pull it all together. Now, Jesus did a great role modeling about um, dealing with different kinds of personalities. And I think it's very interesting that even amongst his 12 disciples, there were very, very different personalities. I want to talk about three of those today. One of them was a guy named John. John was described as, now by himself, albeit, he was the one that Jesus loved. And John liked to sit right next to Jesus at all the meals. He was a very relational guy. And John was so interested in sitting next to Jesus that even his mommy asked if he could sit at the right hand or left hand of Jesus in eternity. Now, that didn't make the other disciples too happy, but John was relational. He was a tried and true friend to Jesus. And uh, imperfect as he may have been, he was a pretty predictable good guy. Then you have a guy named Judas. Judas was the guy that would smile to your face and then behind your back be stealing money out of the treasury. Judas is also the guy who betrayed Jesus with a kiss. And some of you may have some Judases in your life right now, and you may feel very betrayed to someone you thought was being good to you. Jesus dealt with a Judas. And then finally, there was Peter, who I think was just like a certain part uh, John, certain part Judas. Sometimes you just couldn't tell which one he would turn out to be, because one minute he's saying, oh, yeah, Jesus, I'll die for you. Even if I have to go to the death, I'll never deny you. And then a few hours later, despite a warning, Peter denies Jesus three times. But at the end of the day, Peter got his act together, and he even ended up being one of the disciples that was willing to gladly die a martyr's death for Jesus. So, you know, Jesus had all three of these different types and more in his presence, and he navigated relationships well. How did he do that? One of the things that he did is all of them got to get the treatment of his love. Every single one of them got the Jesus who was loving them just in an overwhelming way. Even Judas, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but there's a place in the Bible where it says Jesus sent out his disciples. He gave them the power to heal the sick and to cast out demons. And he even said to them, if a town is not receptive to you, shake the dust off your feet and leave that town. Now, one of the guys that would have gotten that benefit and that privilege was Judas. So Jesus gave them all that love. Judas did not choose to ultimately follow Jesus. And so he denied the choice he could have had, and he rejected Jesus. But the other disciples did follow Jesus, and Jesus knew some things about the ones that would follow him, and that helped him to be very, very patient. He knew that God was going to work some things out in the end. We're going to look at a scripture that talks about one of the things that Jesus knew, in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, this is what uh, Paul writes. Listen, I tell you a mystery. 
We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, and at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. So what is it saying there? Is that this life is going to go by. And and those of you who are uh, aging like me know it is going by very quickly and then boop. This life is going to be over. But for those who choose to spend eternity with Jesus, then when they die, the second they die, they will shed their sin nature and they will take on the holy nature of God. And there's not going to be any more of this selfishness that is on us here on earth. There's not going to be any more of the ignorance. There's not going to be the sin. All of these unlikable attributes about us human beings, they'll be shed off and we're going to enjoy eternity in that state. That means you and I are not going to be squabbling up there. Uh, And as a matter of fact, we're going to know just what we need to know about what we had even done wrong on earth. We'll just get it. We will be get it people. Jesus knew that. He could see that ahead of time. And it gave him the patience to work with mankind in a loving way. You and I can do that too. We can learn to see things. You know, God doesn't even see you the way you are right now. He sees you as you will be there. And so he's always coming and putting a gravitational pull on you to bring that piece of eternity up and out of you here on earth. I want to give you an illustration uh, of how that works in life because I want to lay out a big idea for you. The big idea is what you should remember out of this lesson today. And the big idea is today is so yesterday. Today is so yesterday. Have you ever heard that phrase? A lot of us women have heard it because when a style goes out of fashion, maybe someone will go, oh, that is so yesterday. And I hate that because it takes me forever to navigate, like, to bond with a new style. So when skinny jeans came out, I was like, no, don't do this to us. Finally, I bonded with them and filled my closet with them, finally got used to them, and now mom jeans are back because skinny jeans are so yesterday. Uh, but that that phrase, today is so yesterday. God sees you how you will be. Now, um, I love hearing the stories of the Caminetti brothers. My husband grew up in a family with seven boys. And I think what is so much fun about it, I mean, those boys were very rowdy together, that chemistry of seven boys together. What's most humorous to me is that the three who arguably gave mom and dad the worst trouble are the three who are in full-time ministry today. Not the least amongst them is your illustrious Pastor Joe. Well, one day, little Joey had gotten grounded by mom yet again, 
And he thought it would be a fabulous idea to go into the basement and write a few love notes to mom on about 20 boxes. I will not repeat the expletives that were used, but he wrote some things on about 20 boxes. Moms, take heart, there's still hope. <laughs> but can you imagine how his poor mom felt when she discovered that? So they didn't know who had done it, so her uh, dad lined the boys up who happened to be home at the time and said, who did this? And Joe said, I don't know, boy, but when, boy, that is so disrespectful, I'm outraged. Now the good news is he finally confessed. However, it was about 20 years later, so, I, you know, I don't know. But the reason we can laugh about that is because of the contrast of who these guys are now today versus where they were in their little raw state there. And this is what we can do. So today is so yesterday, and if we can remember that, then it can help us navigate the relationships of life. So I want to talk a little bit about four easy steps we can take. Well, maybe they're not so easy. <laughs> they're four steps that are easy to say. Um, and in trying to make today so yesterday for us, okay? So the first one, well, I'll just say them all to you. Stop, see, pray, say. Stop, see, pray, say. Okay, that's what we have to do. So when we are stopping, did you ever hear that phrase, stop, drop, and roll? If something gets on fire, your, a piece of your clothing gets on fire, don't do anything but stop, cover your face, drop, and roll. Get that fire out before you proceed with anything else. And you and I know that when we are in the middle of a conversation or a debate or a conflict that is going bad, we light a little bit on fire, we know that there is no good that's gonna come out if we talk right then. Thankfully, I'm learning that more and more and more every day. But we can stop, drop, and roll. Stop, buy yourself some time, think things through because History proves that if you speak right away, you are probably going to regret it. So stop. The next one is C. You have to be able to see past today. Now, this takes using a little bit of imagination, and it actually takes taking time to imagine what the future may be like. And you might think, well, that's silly. I'm not going to do that. That's weird. But I'll tell you what, I bet you do it all the time. You don't even realize it. How many of you have ever been in a debate or a discussion with someone and they just have the upper hand the whole time? They're cutting out all the sarcastic jokes, they're making comments, criticisms to you, and you just couldn't come up with a good comeback. What do we do when that happens? We go home and we lay in bed all night and we invent the scenarios of what we should have said to that person, don't we? We imagine what we should have said. We imagine ourselves having said it, even though we didn't. We imagine what we'll see, say if we see them next time. We use our imaginations all of the time. We can actually do that for the good and imagine how we'll treat people according to what we'll be in the future. 
Now, in case you're wondering if this has any scriptural founding, it does. This is how the Apostle Paul coped with his dire circumstances. The Apostle Paul was tortured by human beings. They stoned him. They beat him up. They insulted him. They persecuted him. He was shipwrecked. And he learned to focus and imagine life on, in the future. So we're going to read that scripture in 2 Corinthians 4.16. Paul wrote, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so Paul, he said, the way I keep myself from losing heart is I fix my eyes on what is eternal. I have to see what is eternal. And thank God he did. If he could see the way his suffering impacted our lives for the good, all of his writings, all of his endurance impacted our lives in an amazing way. If he could see a glimpse of that, he could keep from fainting in the middle of it. Now, in my own life, I do this a lot because I've had to learn to do it. I was dealing with a situation where I was mad. I was mad not just at one person. I was mad at a group of persons. And I was just having the hardest time. I would lay awake at night and think of this person did that, and that person did that, and da-da-da-da-da. And I was just always consumed with it. This was not going on for a short time. It went on for a couple of years. Now, in my case, I hate to admit it, but these people I was so ticked off with were Christians. And so one day it just dawned on me, uh, you know, the minute you get over into eternity, you're not going to be squabbling with these people. And that almost came as bad news to me, you know, because I kind of had it like, well, I think when I get up there, Jesus will be like, you know, straighten them out, you know. No, we're all getting straight, straightened out when we get there. And so I started to use this practice of looking at the things that were not seen in order to cope. And so I would think about what it would be and invent some little scenarios. Now, uh, I am even freakazoid enough to have journaled out this stuff. So if I have any fellow freakazoid journalers, more power to you. It is worth spending time to think this stuff through. So what did it I do. I imagined that this life would go by that fast. And then we got on the other side. There we are. We are no longer selfish. We're no longer hateful. We're no longer rude. We're no longer blind to what sin looks like. We're not blind to our own sins. And we'll actually be anxious to honor one another. And so I pictured this is where my artistic liberties came in. I pictured that we'd all be sitting around a campfire. There's a campfire in heaven. I'm pretty sure there's some moors there as well. And uh, we're sitting around a campfire, and then one of the people I was especially mad at, I'm talking to them, 
And I'm like, hey, yeah, I'm sorry. I was pretty, pretty awful down there on my earth life. I could have done a whole lot better than I did in handling that. And then I could picture them saying, ah, oh, no, it was me. I could have done a lot better than I did. And I could see it's like, ah, oh, it's okay, you know. And then Jesus would walk over to us, again, a little artistic liberty, and he would say, hey, guys, while you were working out your mess, don't forget, there were some good things you guys were doing down there, too. And I want you to see that person over there, and that person over there, and that person over there. Because of the good work you did together, they're here today. And I could see us high-fiving one another and celebrating. And I even went so far as to picture someone who had been... They just didn't get me. Could you imagine someone would not get this? And they just didn't get me. And they just, when, when I was around them, I just felt like they were just like, wanted to spit or something, you know? So I pictured that person knocking on the door of my mansion one morning, and they were bringing me the best cappuccinos. And inside this box, I guess there's paper boxes there in heaven, were Cinnabons. Now, I don't know if you can have something with the first name Sin on it in heaven, but I think, you know, we'll have the equivalent of a Cinnabon there. So they're bringing me cappuccino and Cinnabon, and they're like, hey, yeah, come on, let's talk. And we had the best time eating and drinking and talking, and, and I had to get my head in that space. I had taken so much time to get my head in that space that when I would bump into these people later, my first propensity was to laugh, hug them, and to just enjoy them. And that helps me to navigate and keep my heart in the right place. So we stop, drop, and roll. We see, and we keep reminding ourselves, today is so yesterday. Now, the third thing we have to do is we have to learn to pray. You know, sometimes you have some gorillas in your life that even in playing, they can knock you out dead. Did you ever notice the arm on a gorilla? Just playing, you could be like smashed against a wall. And there are some people, they don't even know they're doing it. They don't even think they're doing anything wrong, but they're telling you this, they're telling you that, and your heart is like daggers. Uh, you don't e they don't even know how detrimental their words have been in your life or their actions. And yeah, that might be the person you're not spending a whole lot of time with. You have to keep a distance when it's in your power to people who are dangerous to you. You want to keep a, di a distance away so that you can most love them. And so if that means there's a huge boundary between you and the gorilla, great. But the one thing we can always do is we can always pray. And when you think about some of the people that you think are the most dangerous on planet Earth, you can still pray for them. I'll, get, I'll prove it. You know, the Apostle Paul himself was one of the most dangerous people to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you think some of these politicians may feel threatening to you? Paul was a man of God thinking that he was doing God a favor by going into Christians' homes, pulling them out, imprisoning them. Some of them were being put to death. That's a bad day at work. And you know what? Paul ended up seeing all of a sudden Jesus. 
and he did a 180. You know, some of the gorillas in your life with your prayers may do a 180. So don't despise that small beginning. If you pray for people, changes can happen. You leave it to God, but pray and believe that and, and cheer for people to come to know Jesus. And so we can be praying. Now you might think, why should I do that? They're not doing it. There's an incentive for you and I to pray. You know, Jesus tells us in Luke chapter six to pray for those who mistreat us. And we're gonna read a passage out of Luke six later where it tells you what happens when you will pray for those who mistreat you, do good to people who mistreat you. This is the way of the Christian, but there are some rewards in it. And so in Luke chapter 32, It says this, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those to, uh, from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Merciful, be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. So, you know, newsflash, Gina Caminetti, if you're just good to people who are good to you in this life, You haven't done anything different than someone who doesn't know Jesus. Newsflash. And yet we think we're doing something so great when we do good for someone. You haven't even begun to act your Christian faith out until you're treating the person who has been unjust to you and cruel to you till you're treating them with love. And if the only way you can love a dangerous person is from afar in your prayers, that's a good way to love them. And so... It says your reward will be great and you will be like your father in heaven. And that is an amazing thing to think about. So think about this. Your love to others does not go unnoticed. God sees it. When you pray for an enemy, God sees it. And he has reward planned for you in eternity and even in this life. Now, the last thing we will do, so we said stop, we said see, we said pray, and the last thing is say, because today is so yesterday. And when we say, we uh, want to use words that are going to build people up. Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for the use of edifying other people. And we can use our words in so, so many ways. We can use our words to tell people all how great we are. We can use our words to tell them all how bad they are. You know, there is a huge difference between the way Gina Caminetti behaves and the way God is. He could have come down here and just said, Gina, you're a mess in this area, that area, and the other. And he could have done the same thing with you, but that is not what he did. He came down and he gave us unconditional love. And then you know what he does? He shows us how he's given each one of us an individual piece of his nature. And he puts a magnetic pull on us 
all the time. His word puts a magnetic pull on us, even though he draws boundaries with us. God has a few do's and don'ts for us. So moms, as you're raising your kids, you know, you can speak good words over them and to them even when you're drawing boundaries. For instance, if you have a child who has always got his own ideas about everything or her, uh, her, her <laughs> about everything, you may say to them, you know what? You have a lot of, a lot of leadership skill in you. You're going to be a great leader someday. But Today, guess who's the leader in this house? And we're going to do it my way. <laughs> or you might have a kid who debates you all the time. Well, you can say, you know what? You're going to be great on the debate team someday. You might even make a great lawyer. But here's how we're going to do it in this family. This is how we're going to talk things out. We can even, while bringing correction to our children, we can also pull the best out of them. And I want to tell you a story uh, that really surprised me. It happened recently. But I uh, had a really, really good friend, and, and she passed away in the fall. And I had so many sweet memories with her. But one of the things we would do uh, from time to time was just get together. And we would, you know, as moms do, we would talk about our kids. And, you know, we have adult kids. And so she was telling me about her adult daughter. And I said to her, I said, you mean your daughter is just like you times 10? And she was laughing. She's like, yeah, she is. She is like me times 10. So after she passed away, her daughter called me. And I had never really gotten to talk much with her daughter over the years. She lives in another state. And, but she called me, and we were just reminiscing about her mom. And she said to me, I don't think you know this, but she said, when you said that thing about times 10 to my mom, my mom came right home and called me and told me, guess what Gina said? You're like me times 10. She said, we made that my nickname. My nickname became Times 10. Now, you can imagine, I had forgotten we ever even had that conversation. And can you imagine how good a feeling it was for me to know that something I randomly said that was positive actually became something that encouraged another person over the years that would come? And when you get into eternity, you're going to find all kinds of that out. A lot of the tears we wipe away in heaven are going to be happy tears. When you found out that that day you gave a even a cup of cold water to someone in Jesus' name, how much of a difference that made. Or when you said a kind word to this person over here, how it made such a difference. And it made me to think, oh my goodness, I could use my words so much more powerfully than I do. You know, I'm, I come from a very sarcastic, joking family, and, you know, it's just human nature for me. It's just natural for me to just quip one sarcastic joke after another. But the more I'm learning this, the more I'm realizing you can use your words with a person to actually point out something about them that inspires you. Everybody has something. They carry a piece of God in them, a piece of the nature of God. And, and you can draw that out and say, you know, that inspires me because you do this. I noticed you do that. You can leave people better than you found them. So wouldn't it be the coolest thing ever if the church of the Lord Jesus Christ was known for how they left everybody better than they found them, even if you have to draw a few boundaries. Leaving people better than you found them. And that's what God does with us. 
What would it be like if others treated you this way? What if your coworker's main goal was to leave you better than they found you that day? Wouldn't it be a glorious world? So today is so yesterday. And if we could just see past the now, we can do more and more and more of this in our relationships. We can take a different tone in all of our conversations. People can know that no matter whether we're giving tough love or soft love, that we are rooting for them more than anybody else. And this is something that can absolutely change the trajectory of lives and win people to Jesus. Amen? Can I say a prayer with you? Amen. So let's just go ahead and bow our heads and I'll pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the amazing people in this room. I thank you that we're all on a journey uh, somewhere, coming from somewhere in relationships. I ask that those who have broken hearts, that you will mend those broken hearts. For those who are just trying so hard, not sure how to navigate a certain relationship, help them out, Lord God. And Lord, I just thank you that you will help us go out there and change our world by drawing out the champion of everyone we meet. Now, if we could keep our heads bowed and eyes closed for another minute, I want to talk to a group of people in here. There might be some of you in here that you're hearing this thing about God being a nice guy for maybe the first time. You never thought of God as someone who was really behind you and for you and trying to encourage you and giving you a piece of his nature, but he is. And you think, you know, I feel more ready to give my life to God. And the Bible says that if you will receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He is the one way to the Father God. He will help you. He died on a cross for your sin. And all you have to do is believe in your heart that He has saved you and confess with your mouth that he is your Lord and Savior and give your life to him and you can be saved. So we're going to pray a prayer together. Some of the people in this room have already prayed this prayer, but they're going to pray it with you. And if this is a moment where you feel like I've never done this, but I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord, just pray this with us and mean it in your heart. So let's all just say these words. Father, I thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that he died on the cross for me to save me from my sins. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord. Save me from my sins. Show me how to walk in your ways. I give you my life forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.